Well, welcome to the house of the Lord, everybody. Oh, man, if you're happy to be here tonight, why don't you just clap your hands to the Lord? Let's make a little noise. Let's stir up our praise. Let's do something. Thank you, Jesus. It's great to see everybody here tonight. Welcome, welcome to campus. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, we're so glad you're, you've chosen to be part of the service tonight. I know it will be a blessing to you. I do want to uh, begin tonight with prayer. I think that's just a great way to start. Um, and, and really, just, just we'll start with some praise, and then let's ask God to just bless the word tonight and bless our, our time together, our time in his presence. So just right where you're sitting, would you do that? Would you lift your hands, lift your voice, and let's call on the name of the Lord tonight. Jesus, we thank you for your presence, Lord, and it is, it's just great to be in the kingdom. It's great to be uh, a part of such a great church and part of what you are doing, Lord, in this day. I praise you, Lord. I enter into your gates with thanksgiving. I enter into your courts with praise. And Lord, tonight I come with a with an ear tuned to your word, an ear tuned to your voice. I want to hear what thus saith the word. And I pray tonight that you would bless what is done on campus and let it bring us closer to you and equip us for the harvest. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to remind you that uh, on October 3rd, Sunday, October 3rd, so just a couple of three weeks away, will be our baby dedication Sunday. And so if uh, you would like your baby to be dedicated, we would just need you to get that information to the church office uh, very, very quickly uh, so that we can prepare. And uh, that will be a blessing. It's always a wonderful time together uh, in, in, during that time of the service on baby dedication Sunday. So make a note of that. Amen. Haven't the services around here been awesome lately? Amen. I told Pastor on the way out Sunday morning, said it just felt like we were sitting in heavenly places. That's what it felt like to me, just that God just elevated us or, or, or he came down whichever way. Maybe we were in, in, in between. I don't know, but we were just in heavenly places. And I'm just so thankful to be part of the church uh, at such a time as this, you know, as challenging as the times are. Uh, it is such a great uh, thought. It's such a great encouragement to know that we are part of the greatest thing going. We're part of the most powerful, uh, won't back down, won't be defeated church of the living God for this day. And I, I just believe that collectively and as a church, God has matched us with this moment. And so we should go out with our shoulders squared, our chin up, and just claim the promises of God on our lives and on our church. Amen. If you feel that way one more time, would you just clap your hands to Jesus in victory? Pastor's coming to teach the word tonight. God bless you. Great to see everybody tonight. Thank you much for being here and uh, deeply appreciate seeing all of you. And I am very excited about tonight. And uh, we're going to have a, a good time tonight. And uh, maybe to your surprise, dismay or pleasure, just depending on how you look at it. I'm not going to teach a Bible study tonight. I'm going to make a presentation tonight, one that I feel the time is absolutely perfect for. And I believe it's, uh, I believe we're in the will of God uh, to do this. And if anybody goes to looking through your Bible that says, Thus saith the Lord, you must teach a Bible study on Wednesday night, you probably won't find that scripture in there. So I'll just save you the effort uh, along that line. 
Um, Brother Dave com commented on Sunday, just absolutely amazing here Sunday. The past two, I feel like we're just really punching through some barriers, some strongholds. I believe that God is uh, really working uh, at Grace Church. I believe he's working all over the world and uh, is uh, getting the church postured uh, to do some absolutely amazing things. And uh, I know we've heard all of that before, but there's a different feeling in the air uh, today than there was a year and a half ago. I want to give a little bit of uh, information before I jump into this presentation tonight as to, to what I'm doing and why. Uh, we have talked about for the past eight or nine years here at Grace Church, we've talked about our church vision. Uh, it's encapsulated in four simple statements, to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. It's hanging in our lobby. Uh, you, you walk under it every time you walk from the lobby to the sanctuary, and that was uh, on purpose. Um, and then you'll remember a couple of Sundays ago, I launched a theme uh, for the rest of this year, and it is just simply to move forward again. And um, I've read uh, the last two Sundays the vision and purpose behind that and, and what that is about. And uh, I want to say very respectfully that for those of you that have not been through all the process of our, our not our church vision, because I don't want to make that complicated, but the why. The why we do what we do, the, the why we say the things we say. There's statements we make, there's uh, little dip, uh, tidbits of information that we give. Um, there's a big why behind that. This is a why we do what we do, why Grace Church has become what it has become. And uh, uh, there's been a number of people that have uh, gone with us to, it's called a grow intensive. I'll, I'll comment about that in just a moment. But after coming home and, and developing this material and that's applicable to Grace Church, uh, I have sat down numerous times with people who have become a part of Grace Church and we'll literally take several hours at, at their house or mine or in my church office, wherever we could meet, and just methodically go through this material which encapsulates our church vision as, as to who we are as a church in our community. So when I would read for the past couple of Sundays this, uh, this presentation about moving forward again, there's, there's big parts of that uh, that are wound up in our, our church vision and, and the why we do what we do. And I feel like after what we've been through for the past 18 months, that the timing was, was perfect to present all of this uh, in detail. It'll take me five or six Wednesday nights to do it. Uh, but it, it, I want to present to you in detail tonight why Grace Church is what it is and why to so many people who have come here, who have visited here, uh, walk away saying it's different than any other church I've been to. There's a reason for that. And uh, I do believe just in the, in the uh, months, maybe a year or so 
prior to the onslaught of COVID. Uh, I believe we were beginning to lose our grip somewhat on our vision. It was not being as implemented as well as I would like for it to be. And so the, the purpose of this is two, two reasons I'm doing this. It's for those of you that know the Grove material, I want all of us to get back into it. I mean, real hard and heavy, work it hard, work our environment, our culture. We talked a lot about culture here. You'll understand that uh, when we're done with all of this presentation over the next several weeks. But we need all of that back. For those of you that have not been through this material, it's going to be a huge eye-opener. Uh, we're going to present to you facts. We're going to present to you statistics that are relevant to church growth. And we're going to give you some, a lot of information beginning tonight as to why we can't stay an old traditional church like most of us have known most of our lives. So in saying all of that, uh, most of you that have been here for a while at least knows uh, that Sister Murphy and I attended, I, I don't know exactly how long ago it was, it's, it, it doesn't matter, it's maybe eight or nine years ago, it wasn't long after we bought the building, this building. Uh, we went to this Grow Intensive in Birmingham, Alabama, and um, uh, I was desperate after we had bought this building um, in our prior location. I just didn't feel like I could really develop any kind of vision that would, that would really work. There was no room to grow there. There was no room around it to buy a property and that kind of thing. And besides that, there were very few people who attended our church that actually lived in the city of Baker. So we prayed about it, prayed about it. God opened this amazing door that I'm still, uh, as Bunch and Bree says, I'm awesomeized about uh, with this building. Uh, but we moved our church to Central because so many of the people that were coming in, in Baker lived in Central and also in Livingston Parish. So after buying this building that we're in now, I saw the opportunity that, that we had been striving for for the some 16 years we had been here. And I began looking for a vision not only a vision, but a conduit through which that vision could flow that we could employ for growth here at Grace Church. I, I reached a point, um, I got to where I just didn't really care for the old, harsh, judgmental, cold, unfriendly church environment that was at least at that time so stereotypical of so many Pentecostal apostolic churches that I knew. I was looking for something I could believe in and then introduce it to Grace Church, something you folks would believe in as much as I. I prayed and sought direction for an answer to this growing dilemma in my own personal life. I just didn't want to be a week, week in, week out pastor. I didn't want to just hope for things from Sunday to Sunday and that kind of thing. I wanted something we could launch into this church, it would stimulate growth over years, over a process of years. So again, it was about eight to nine years ago that I heard about the Grow Intensive at the Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, pastored by Chris Hodges. The church there, and I want to be very kind and very respectful, and this is for information only. The church there is what most of us would probably consider to be a charismatic church. Chris Hodges is from Baton Rouge. He attended the church at Bethany in Baker for a number of years. And he went to Birmingham and started the Church of the Highlands, 
it would be now, I suppose, about 20 plus years ago and has a minimum of 18 daughter works, probably more than that by now, and a total constituency of 50,000 plus people. In my opinion, the man knows how to grow a church. And yes, he is not UPC or apostolic, but I've come to learn after attending the Grow Intensive three times that there's so much I can learn about growing a church. And again, I want to say in all kindness, in all due respect, I'm not in inter interested in endorsing his message. It's not the same as ours, but I do wish to embrace and endorse his methods in growing a church. So what I'm about to present to you tonight, and I will tell you tonight will not be very long. It's going to be a, a, a relatively short presentation, but the following Wednesday nights will be a little more intensive uh, that will, may require from time to time you being a little more patient. But what I'm about to present to you is what I have cherry-picked from the Grow Intensive so far. We were running, averaging between 125 and 150 when we started implementing these concepts uh, at least six plus years ago. Let me also mention that we, Sister Murph and I would very carefully along with others in our leadership team as time went on, we would try to cut a cross section all throughout Grace Church and pick people, invite people to go with us and in all total, there was probably 25 to 30 people here at Grace Church that has attended this Grow Intensive with us. I will also mention that I believe his brother Ken Gurley's church in Texas is doing a UPC version of this, an apostolic version of it. I've not been there, but I've been told by numerous people it's identical. It's a, a kind of a rubber stamp, and, uh, but he's just put uh, the UPC apostolic message into it. When we introduced this to Grace Church, uh, we added about 75 to 100 people over a very short period, a relatively short period of time. In other words, it worked, and it worked huge. It was not a program. It was not a gimmick. It was not based on receiving prizes. It was completely overhauling and revamping our church culture something that people could feel when they walked in the door. And we have had numerous people, numerous people, our greeters will tell you this, that walked into this church building on Sunday morning and within 10 seconds have said later, within 10 seconds we knew it was a different church. That is a fact. As I mentioned a, a moment ago, I felt like we were losing our grip on some of that, and I take full responsibility. About a year prior to COVID hitting, but when COVID hit, um, it was just, it's been very difficult to maintain all of those things due to masks and social distancing and uh, shutting the campus down for two months and, and all of that. But we've sought God, folks. We've sought God. We've sought God. I've been very honest. I've been very transparent with you folks through this whole entire process over the past 18 months. And I do believe that three weeks ago today, I was having lunch with Dave Bunch, and God spoke to me through me. And uh, I took a sabbatical from the pulpit of four months or four weeks and um, prepared, did a lot of soul searching. 
And I believe that God is ready for all of us to hear this presentation over the next number of weeks so that all of us, all of us can participate together in bringing back the Grace Church culture that God wants us to have so that any man, woman, boy, girl, no matter who they are, where they're from, what their race is, it doesn't matter. They can walk in that door. They can find God. They can find freedom. They can discover their purpose, and then they can make a difference. And that's what we want to happen here. And everybody said amen. Y'all on board? In addition, all of us understand tonight that we are surrounded, Grace Church is surrounded by a number of UPC apostolic churches in our area. And in most cases, that is a good thing because our environment and culture is so different than the rest. It can make our church very inviting. No, we are not charismatic, have no intentions, I have no desire. If I have not proven that by now in 28 years, that's your problem. Uh, I, I don't know what else to do. Um, have no desire to go in that direction. I still believe with all of my heart, apostolic doctrine and holiness. As a matter of fact, I have preached numerous times since we've embraced this vision, has pre presented it, it's worked, it's working, and it's going to start working even more again. That I, There's a little part of me that just would like to sit out to prove that our UPC apostolic church can grow without compromising our message. And everybody said amen. So let's begin tonight. I want everybody here to take what I'm about to present to you personal. I am not here to address the person across the aisle. I want everybody to understand that. I'm talking to everybody here tonight. I'm, I'm so thankful uh, that God called me here. I'm so thankful for that. Um, I talked to my aunt, uh, Sister Buller, Evelyn Buller, several weeks ago on the phone. I've mentioned that to you folks. Um, she said her pastor was preaching at their church in Cincinnati the same Wednesday that I had lunch with Brother Dave Bunch and got up and made this statement to his church that God has called me to this city. He said God spoke to him and said, I've called you to this city. I've called you to pastor this church. I've called you to grow this church. Now it's time for you to take that church and start moving it forward was his words. So it's not just happening here. I believe God has go, is going to take this bunch of people. Y'all remember that sermon? It's going to take this bunch, and we're going to implement this with this bunch of people. And that's why I want you to take it personal. This means you might have to change the way you think a little bit. It might change the way you look at things a little bit. But if you'll do it, God will make you more productive in your personal walk with God and your contribution to Grace Church than you've ever been. So let's begin. It all starts with the A word. It all starts with the A word called attitude. Everybody say attitude. <clears throat> Everybody here tonight, I'm asking you starting tonight, most of you are already there. But if you're not there, I want everybody here tonight to embrace this attitude. Number one, it is the will of God for my church to grow. And here at Grace Church, I just mentioned to Brother Dave, I'll talk to Sister Landry about it and others, but we're going to find out a way here at Grace Church in the very near future to start talking about numbers. Very few people sitting here tonight know how many we had last Sunday. We had 180. 
and that is a hallelujah, glory to God, because the Sundays, many, many Sundays prior to that, we were between 150, 155. This past Sunday, we had 180. We're going to introduce you. We're going to figure out a way to put it on the screen, some kind of way, to show you how many we have on Sunday mornings, how many are absent, how many guests we have, and how, what our total membership is. And so you can see what several of our leadership uh, folks, including myself, see every week. Right now we're averaging about two-thirds present and about one-third absent. That needs to change. Another sermon for another time. But we're going to start talking about numbers. I've heard for years that it's not about numbers. After going to grow, I've learned... It's all about numbers. It absolutely is all about numbers. It's not that I want to run around boasting and saying we had 12,402 Sunday. It's not that. It's because every number represents a person. And there might be people here tonight that don't think numbers are important. Let me ask you a question. How many kids do you have? Do you have to stop and think? Are numbers so not important to you that you don't even know how many kids you have? I don't even keep track of that anymore. I haven't kept track of how many kids I've had, Pastor, for years. After our 14th kid was born, I just keep quit. I, I just can't. I don't even keep up. I don't even worry about that. Anymore. There ain't a person here tonight that don't know how many kids you have. <clears throat> and you're quick to tell people, I have one. There's a family here that has five. Have families here with more than two. All of that. And you know exactly how many kids you have. And if you have a mixed family, you know how many kids you have and how many stepkids you have. You know how many's yours, how many's theirs, and how many's ours. We keep track of all that stuff, do we not? How about grandparents here tonight? No matter how many grandkids you have, is there a great-grandparent here tonight that don't know how many great-grandkids you have? We keep up with all that. You get the point. So here at Grace Church, I want to ask everybody, I'm going to ask this bunch to start keeping up with numbers. How many's here? How many's not here? And let it concern you. Let it concern you when people are not here. Our church is about people going to heaven. That's what it's about. It's about people going to heaven. Our church is about saving homes. Our church is about saving marriages. And all of us should care deeply whether people are going to heaven or if they're going to hell. We should care about that. Everybody say amen. And you will find in the Bible... God is a huge rewarder of faithfulness, and we, we capitalize on that. We accentuate that. We preach and teach that. But um, I think if you start studying Jesus' teaching in the New Testament, he would probably tell you that he rewards fruitfulness a little bit more than he does faithfulness. If you don't believe that, ask the one talent guy that Jesus talked about. Abraham was faithful. And God honored him for his faithfulness. But Abraham's relationship didn't stop with just being faithful. He became 
fruitful. So we must believe that God desires our church to grow and that he is willing to use every one of us to make that happen. And it's not as hard as you think. It is not as difficult as, as, as culture has told us it's become. Let me give you the second part of our attitude, what our attitude should be. It's the will of God for our church to grow. Number two, my growth potential is different than yours. And we teach that here at Grace Church. And it's imperative that all of us must learn in our relationship with God and in our relationship with the church what we're good at. And for people to take the tuck head, look, you're looking at Brother Low self-esteem up here that don't believe I'm good at nothing, but here I am. So if I can do it, you can do it. Amen. We must learn what we're good at. This is why we do personality and gifting assessment. This is why. Wow. Did you see that little light come on in your head? There's people I've said and looked at personalities and I've looked at gifting, and I thought, my goodness, man, if we could tap this individual with all they could do, they could turn this church upside down. But it's an attitude that says, well, I can't for whatever reason. And we, we like to point fingers at all the reasons why we can't. But bottom line, if you want to, you can. You just have to have a want to. Amen. So you have to make here at Grace Church, and we encourage this. You see this. We're doing it now. With our, our students, we're doing it now with our JV team. Look, we have a surprise coming in the next two or three Wednesday nights. Amen. Okay. We have a surprise coming for you people that's going to blow your mind. And I can't wait. And you know what? We're not going to tell you on Sunday that this coming Wednesday night. We're not going to do that. You're just going to have to start showing up on Wednesday nights until it happens. Amen. So if you miss it, and live stream is not going to be the same. Live stream is never the same as being here live. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful tool. I'm thankful we have it, but it's not like being here live. But we have some something amazing. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, goodness, I can't wait. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what it is. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm not either. So there you go. All right. We make personal growth here a priority. There's people here tonight that will vouch for that. There's a lot of people here tonight that will vouch for that. We have folks here tonight that come from other churches. All that is what it is, and it's in the past. But they were never tapped. They were never used. They were never asked to really do anything. Uh, we have folks here tonight that were asked to do things, and they did it. And they did it with all their heart, with all their might, but they really didn't want to. It's not what they felt like they were they could acclimate to it. didn't feel natural to them. So here at Grace Church, we make a huge effort. We do personality and gifting assessment, and then we recognize what your gifting is, and so we like to point you in that direction when you want to be used, when you want to give your time and talent. Um, we don't pressure people to do it, but when you want to do it, then, then you can know and be assured that when we ask you to do something, it's going to be something commensurate with your personality and with your gifting, and I think that's an amazing thing. It has helped so many people here at Grace Church be amazing, amazing people. I had somebody walk up to me a couple of years ago, 
very emotional, tears streaming. I don't want to call their name because then you'll know the church and all that. And I, I don't want to do that. That's not my point. But the person said, I just, I am absolutely flabbergasted at my role here at this church. At the church I came from, I did nothing. Was not really asked to do anything. I've never really been anything in a church I've ever went to. And I, when I came here and was asked to do what it is that I do, I just can't believe it. I just would have never dreamed. If you would have told me five years ago that this is what I'd be doing today at a church somewhere, I'd never believed you. But that's what we do here. When we do it to the best of our ability, is it perfect? Does everything go just perfect and amazing? No, there's snafus, there's problems, there's difficulties, there's challenges. In any, in any environment where there's growth, there's going to be a challenge. Have anybody, any parents here tonight struggled to keep your kids in their clothes? They grow up. And I see little boys running around here and their britches are about three or four inches too short. And I want to go tell their mother, have you noticed that they've shot up about three inches in the past week? There's always these things. There's always things that, that, that are challenging. And we, we absolutely are committed to do the very best we can. So your growth potential may be different than mine. So you never look across the aisle when we present things and talk about things and say, what about them, what about them? It has nothing to do with them. It's all about you and God and your relationship with the kingdom. That's why we do not compare ourselves among ourselves. The third thing that needs to become of our, our attitude, okay, so far we've talked about it's the will of God for our church to grow. Our growth potential as individuals is different from each other. Now the third thing, and we say this all the time. We say this all the time here. Now you'll understand the context is I can get better. I can get better. I don't believe anybody here tonight has peaked. I don't believe anybody here tonight has gone as far as you can go and has gotten as good as you can get. I don't believe it's happened. Here's the interesting thing about getting better. We always want God to make us better. God, help me to be better. Oh, God, help me to be better. It's not all up to God. You can pray about it. You can fast about it. And let me assure you, God is absolutely not going to do that for you. Wouldn't that be wonderful if God would do a 21-day fast on our behalf? God, I just really feel led to go on a 21-day fast. Would you mind taking care of that for me? He doesn't do that. He doesn't do your praying for you. And he's not going to do your getting better for you either. I can learn how to greet better. I can learn how to teach better. I can learn how to communicate better. I can learn how to be friendly better. Yes, the church is in God's hands, but its future is in ours. The future of this, this church is in our hands, and we must always strive to get better and better and better. I don't necessarily want to change. I want to get better. Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, said, if we get better, our customers will demand that we get bigger. And uh, it was just about a year or two before grow, uh, uh, COVID hit that, that we were getting stuffy in here on Sunday mornings. We were at that 230, 240 mark. It's getting kind of stu stuffy. We have uh, 350 chairs on the floor. Uh, they say two-thirds, 66% capacity is where you start needing to thinking about expanding we had plans to push the back the the pulpit the excuse me the platform back uh still do that's still on the books to do 
to push it back so we can get another row uh, two of chairs across the front after that uh, may mean two services and that kind of thing we'll see but but this is where we were and it's because our church got better it's because it got better you demanded that we make it bigger okay it's the will of God our church can grow it's the will of God that God wants to use all of us and that our growth potential is different from each other and that I can get better, that I can get better. All right. Everybody, don't fasten your seatbelt, but listen carefully. There's a stigma that exists in our American Protestant churches. In our American Protestant churches, it's a stigma. And you've heard me say it many times here. It's when churches get stuck in the 80s. They get stuck in the 1980s. And there's lots of church people that is so loving being stuck in the 80s and I don't want to change it. Well, let me tell you the byproduct of that. It goes like this. Nine out of ten, nine out of ten Protestant churches in America are either declining or they are growing so slowly that they're not keeping up with the growth rate of the community in which they are located. Nine out of ten Protestant churches in America are either declining or they are growing so slowly that they're not keeping up with the growth rate of the community in which they are located. I'd like for you to let that soak in. Across America, 90% of our Protestant churches are losing ground in their respective communities. Most of them are declining, and many of them will close their doors. We do know that there's, a, there's between 1,000 and 1,500 preachers leaving the ministry every month here in America. Gary McIntosh, who is the president of the Church Growth Network and has close to 40 years of consulting experience and has diagnosed over 1,000 churches of over 90 different denominations, has this to say. He said, I have worked with thousands of churches over the three past decades. I've noticed something fascinating yet disturbing about many of these churches. They are still acting like it's the 1980s. The world has passed them by. They are deemed irrelevant by members of their communities. They are frozen in a time warp, time warp, end quote. I had a conversation with a very influential man here in, in, in Central. It's been a little over a year ago. He wanted to make a contribution to our missions offering. Very nice contribution. Coming from an individual, it was a very nice, sizable contribution. He has been a part of a Protestant church for almost 40 years has taught a Sunday school class for over 35 years. He said at the, at the lunch table that day, and his words were that his church is declining and completely irrelevant. Their congregation is so small, they have so little finances that they've taken missions giving completely out of their budget. They don't give the missions anymore. All of their money is poured into that church just to keep the lights on. Why has this tragedy fallen on so many churches? 
though I do not want to oversimplify the issue, I see, according to Gary McIntosh, at least eight reasons for the crises that these churches are in. I want everybody here tonight to listen. You'll understand why we push so hard to be modern and to be relevant, but still apostolic. You'll understand the lights, the music, and all of that. You'll understand it. Churches that are stuck in the 80s are trying to shelter themselves from culture around them. In the 1980s, I'll say the 70s and 80s, I remember it. Congregations were typically part of the mainstream culture. They were accepted in most places and even embraced in some. Our media in the 70s and 80s was unbelievable compared to what they are now. They didn't mind talking about God. They didn't mind talking about religion. A lot of them were religious people. But not that way today. So most churches in the 70s and 80s were, were accepted in most places and even embraced by the culture and the politics of their area. That is not the culture of today. Our culture today is opposed to Christianity. If you don't know that, you've had your head in the sand. Our political system across the board is virtually unanimous and, and getting rid of this Christian block of voting. We want to somehow not even let these people vote because they vote too conservative and so on. And many church members use their churches as a getaway from the realities that they don't want to face outside in their culture. So if I change our church culture, then I lose this place of comfort and this place of assurance. So number one, they're trying to shelter themselves from culture. The second reason churches like to get stuck in the 80s and so many stay there is because programs were easy answers back then. The vast majority of churches in the 1980s were program driven. If there was a perceived need, they would order a resource that best solved that need. And many churches today still think they can get quick fixes from programs. Is anybody here old enough to remember when bus ministry was a thing to do back in the 70s and 80s? You remember when home Bible studies was a thing to do back in the 70s and 80s? And then in the 80s and 90s, it was cell groups, home fellowship groups. Uh, people called them different names and all that kind of stuff. These were could be classified as a church program. And if we did that, then our church would grow. The third thing about churches stuck in the 80s is churches largely catered. And, and I, I still get on a candy stick about this, even though it's not nearly as prevalent at Grace Church as it used to be, and certainly not as prevalent as it is at other churches. But churches largely catered to the needs of church members in the 1980s. And we thus created a culture of membership that is me-driven. It's all about me. We sang songs about me. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set me free. It's all about me. There was more focus put on me than him. And I have battled that since we've been in this building, and some of you will remember that. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about him and them. And if we could understand that, we could turn our community on its ear for Jesus. Amen. And if we minister to others, God ministers to us in the process. 
Many churches do not want to make the sacrifices necessary to reach their communities and culture today. They are demanding that their own needs and that their own preferences be the priority of the churches. They want to determine what's the most comfortable seating for them. They want the, most, the best lighting for them. They want the best music for them. They want the best Sunday school program for them. And it has nothing to do with the people outside. And so when people come from the outside, the church is totally irrelevant to them. It, it, it doesn't make sense. It don't apply. They don't understand all the cliches and all the little things that we do. The fourth thing about churches in the 80s was change was more incremental. Uh, Brother Tenney's old saying, I've heard him say it many, many times, if you want to go to your church and change something, if you want to move the piano from that side of the piano, or, uh, platform to that one, you move it an inch a week so that hardly anybody notices. Move the piano an inch a week. If your church is stuck in the 1980s, it does not have to worry about the rapid pace of change today. Members can pretend like their church does not need to change despite the massive upheavals of change that's going on in our world and in the lives of people all around us. <clears throat> in the 1980s, church growth was easier. And that's why we did not develop soul winners. And we still have not broken away from that culture. In the 1980s, a number of people will remember if lost people, is what we would say, sinners, <clears throat> at Grace Church, we very respectfully talk about unchurched people. <clears throat> Sounds very judgmental and hoity-toity, if you will, to say you're lost and you are a sinner. I would not appreciate those labels being put on me, I can tell you that, whether they're true or not. But anyway... In the 80s, people would say, if lost people want to come to our church, they know where we are. <clears throat> Makes you want to sigh loud and very heartbroken. We do want people to know where our church is at, and because of it, we've hosted many events here that some may have thought, what's the point in all of that? It's to let people know where we are and to let them feel our environment and culture just for a little while while they're here. So we've hosted the mayor's prayer breakfast numerous times. Our church is a voting precinct. There's a good portion of Central that comes to this church sometimes several times a year, depending on the voting cycle, to vote. Our ladies hosted a natural oils seminar here several times. We've had citywide veterans services where we've honored our veterans. We've done all of that just to get people in our church door. But that's not soul winning. That's just having people come to your church for an event. We had them do that so they could feel the environment and so on. And I've been quizzed numerous, numerous times by area pastors uh, that are non-apostolic and so on. What is it that y'all are doing at your church that makes it feel so different when, when, so different when I walk in the door? But none of that is soul winning. It doesn't, we've not had any people come. We feed our, our school teachers, our school staff. Uh, uh, we, we feed our uh, police departments and fire departments and all that. We do that uh, consistently throughout the year. It's not winning people. It's letting people know who we are and that we're here. But it's not soul winning. We have to understand what soul winning is, and we'll 
we'll get into that uh, in the next couple of Wednesday nights. The sixth thing is that denominations provided solutions back in the 1980s. Not all churches in the 1980s belonged to a denomination, but many did. And many members expected the denominational organizations to guide them and resource them. Denominations work best today in partnership with churches, but too many church members want to return to the paradigm of the 1980s and let our UPC organization tell us how to grow and how to win people. We need to learn how to do that here because our community is not like every other community. We need to understand the dynamic of our community. The seventh thing, uh, others did evangelizing for the members in the 1980s. Evangelism was a responsibility of the pastor or the denomination or a few people in, the, in, in a church program. Church members literally paid others to do the work they were supposed to do themselves. They brought in special speakers, they brought in seminars, they brought in all these people to set up stuff, arrange stuff, create stuff and all that. Some church members today are more concerned about their worship style, their music, the songs they sing. They're more worried about that than they are about lost people who need to hear the gospel. And finally, the eighth thing tonight in conclusion is that some churches would rather die than to get out of the comfort zone of their 1980s paradigm. McIntosh went on to say that I feel certain that they will do just that. I will verify his statement. I know of several churches that have bought existing church buildings because the church was literally at a point of closing its doors, including this one. I know of a church in Ohio that bought the church literally next door to them. When the last widow that attended that church was well into her late 80s, she died. And that finally left no one to attend that church anymore. So one of our apostolic churches bought that building, bought that campus, bought that facility, and, and made it a part of theirs. That's a true story. I've been in that building. So I did a little body Bible study of my own, or excuse me, a little study of my own, and based on that, I have discovered that the average size of a UPC church in the U.S. and Canada is about 150. So like it or not, this is where most churches, pastors, and church members are. But we must believe, folks, that our church, Grace Church, can grow and that we must be willing to change some of our thoughts, perspectives, and ideas so that it can. Do not change what you believe. Just change what you think and change how you think. So this may mean very possibly that over the next weeks and months, as the Lord tarries and as the Lord sees fit, there might be people walk in this building that you don't approve of how they smell, how they look, how they're dressed, and how they act when they get here. But if they're coming here in pursuit of Jesus, they're going to be welcomed. They're going to be as welcomed as anybody else who attends this church I can promise you that because our purpose here tonight is to reach the world. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. Thank you for your time and attention tonight. And uh, next Wednesday night, it's going to get a little more intense, but it's, we're going to have fun. This is going to be amazing. And uh, keep your chin up, your shoulders squared, and start thinking about people that, that would like to come to your church because God wants it to grow. Start thinking, don't cancel out anybody. Don't cancel out anybody. Just start thinking about somebody 
that you'd like to invite to church. Maybe you could get them here Sunday morning. Who knows? God bless you tonight. You're dismissed. And uh, Lord willing, we will see you Sunday morning. God bless you.